I ask this question to start every episode, and I want to ask it continuously to start every episode. If one, it's the same question every time. If one had to go, entire body of work, influence on culture, who would it be, Prince or Michael Jackson? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm that's Michael Faith. <laughs> that's how we start. That's how we start around here. Oh, Hot take, but I'm not a huge Prince fan. Mm, okay. So that's the easy one for me. Okay. I can let Prince go. I can't let Michael. Is there a reason why? He just doesn't speak to me per se. I understand his influence to everyone yeah. else and on the culture, and I respect him immensely. Mm. Uh, but Michael just, there's something about Michael when he gets on stage. Folks were passing out, right? Yeah. Like, you yeah. can feel yeah, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Right. I heard you breathing so. hard. No. <laughs> He's like, I mean, you start like that, I gotta go Michael. I mean, you stick with Michael. Michael has to stay. Michael stays. Michael stays. Prince is out. But it's the same thing, you're right. People on stage passing out when he takes the stage. On a regular basis, yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. Did Prince have that same reaction? Probably not as widely. Prince, Prince was, Prince was, uh, he was doing some other things. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. But look, Michael Jackson go anywhere in the world. Yeah, right. anywhere right? in the world, in global the world. And so I, I think Prince got to go. Mm -hmm. How about you, Sonny? So I'm I feel like this is a wild answer. card. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So without the dance moves of Michael Jackson. You, right. you just, we just have to keep him. Yeah. He just influenced the dance world in such an incredible way. How many people know you're a dancer? Um, like, major, like the people who... Not in my professional life. Yeah. No. That's interesting. We're going to get into I'm that. not a dancer now. I said, let's, uh, let's, call, a dancer, let's call it a formal. Dancer. <laughs> Former. Former. Yeah. All right. Um, to go against the grain, uh -oh. I would say musically, Michael, but just politically activated. Mm. I'm in politics, so political always overshadows everything for me. I say Prince because he did, he had a great impact in the community and he did and a lot of things. Yeah, and music too. He set a lot of, he opened a lot of doors for a lot of people that now to this day benefit. So I would have to say Prince. I've gotten to know you most recently but it's always just been this honorable presence revolved around you. Sh share more about how that came about, how you got into politics and, and so forth. I didn't start out wanting to be in politics. Um, I was obsessed, I'm still obsessed with sex in the city. So mm -hmm. I wanted to be Carrie Bradshaw living in New York City with a car. That's how I knew I would make it. <laughs> um, but my mom was like, you need to figure out something else to do because it's not going to make you money. So I was like, oh, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'll work for like Vogue. That'll be my Carrie Bradshaw. Um, and I ended up going to an HBCU and I had a professor who told me that I was more valuable than I saw myself. And when he said that, I was like, oh, okay, it sounds good, but I'm trying to go party. Just like, nice. let me get through. Um, but he really pushed me to challenge myself. So I started to look at the community around me and I saw that every HBCU that I visit, whether for homecoming or whatever, was in a black community. And then I looked at the demographics around it. I saw that the school education system wasn't great. There was not a grocery store within like walking distance. Um, there was not a banking system. There were not a lot of black people that owned property in those neighborhoods. And um, I started to really look at that and say like, why is that? And I went into policy and figured out that policy is the reason why 
you know, black communities are the way that they are. So I switched over everything and went into politics. Um, I started off as, uh, I interned actually for John Cranley's office. And then from there, I went into corporate America and it was just something missing. And I wanted to challenge myself. So that's when I went back down to City Hall. I became a policy and communications director. Um, and then I quickly became a chief of staff. I was the youngest chief of staff there. I was the only black woman chief of staff. In Cincinnati. Right in Cincinnati. Um, which was interesting. It was an interesting space to navigate, being a black woman and being young. Um, I was a unicorn in the sense. So I had to navigate that space and find my own in niche, so to speak. Um, my own blueprint, I had to create it. So I had a lot of wonderful black women that helped me and guided me along the way, like Yvette Simpson, um, Renee Mahathy Harris of Closing mm -hmm. the Health Gap, just to help me be a black woman in those spaces and walk in a room and not only just stand in the room, but take over the room. So politics for me was not my first choice. Um, I don't have the, I got inspired by Obama story. <laughs> um, but it just, I got inspired by community and what I saw around me and what I wanted to change and this just passion and driving me to make those changes. That's dope. I mean, you, you're not in politics, mm -mm. but you, you are in politics to an extent because you cover um, some highly political things yeah. and sometimes controversial. Mm -hmm. I mean, Without knowing the background of your world, I mean, I, I just known, I've known you well enough to understand that those are the things that you're most passionate about, mm -hmm. specifically telling some of the stories that don't get, don't get told. Exactly. What's the, what's the drive behind that? Um, I think ever since I was a young kid, I've always been a why person, right? So when my mom would tell me to do something, I would be like, why? And she would say, don't back talk, right? Um, but I was just fascinated in people's why. Like how you got to this barbershop fascinates me. How you got to Kroger, your story about politics, you with FC. Um, I'm just genuinely interested in why things happen. Um, and I got into journalism because when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Saved by the Bell, but I wasn't eating my breakfast. Where and my we mom are. was like, <laughs> yeah, no, who was you got to watch the news in the morning <laughs> instead of watching Saved by the Bell reruns. And so I just fell in love with these people who were conveying information and out in the streets talking to people on a morning show. And when I got to high school, I joined the newspaper staff and I realized that I could ask all of these nosy questions <laughs> and really make an impact mm. immediately. Um, and I've always been attracted to and fascinated by stories that no one else wants to tell. Um, there's just something about it. I love the underdog. I love rooting for the little guy. Um, and those are the stories that stick out to me. Well, I can tell. <laughs> this is a show of transparency. I'm going to be transparent here. We, you know, the, the, the initiatives that, I'm, that we're doing and I'm leading in Cincinnati, we, we get a lot of the folks reaching out about coverage. And we have some folks who step into the moment and they're like, what's your name? What do you do? I'm thinking to myself, how do, how do we get here? <laughs> and, and Kyle always comes with the thunder. Right. He's got the drones. He's got the best. I mean, literally, we postponed interviews because he felt like he needed this camera guy because they were tapped into this it. world. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. You say you feel it. Right. You're in the sports 100%. world. But uh, and I know and and and, and you own an, uh, an agency that does this type of work. How important is that to have intentional people behind these broadcasts? I mean, if you don't have the best, then you don't have much. Right. Like you don't want to put a show on just to say you put a show on. Exactly. That's why you want the best camera operators, the best 
graphics folks, the best audio folks. When we put a show together, we want it to be the best. The best. Because if it's the best, it makes my job easier. It makes the analyst's job easier. If the sideline reporter's microphone doesn't work or her earpiece doesn't work, then her job's not. She can't focus on doing her job no. because she's distracted because her earpiece isn't working. But if you've got a great audio tech to take care of it, then she doesn't have to worry about that. She can focus just on her job, and I can focus on my job, and so on and so forth. So if you're surrounding yourself with the best people, and that's not just on broadcast or on television or in politics or in a barbershop, or wherever, you have the best barbers in here, but you have one weak link, it's gonna affect everybody in here. Mm. It's the same thing on a team. That's what I've always said, like you want the best people in your dressing room, mm -hmm. and they gotta have some talent, you know? Can't yep. be an athlete, you can't look like me out there on the soccer field and, <laughs> and expect to win, win championships and cups and all that, but if you get a couple bad apples in there and you have really talented people, it's gonna ruin all that talent. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing with any of our businesses or any of our operations that you have to find the right people. And sometimes you gotta remove a person who you thought was the right person. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's probably, well, the hardest thing I've ever done as an entrepreneur yeah. was removing somebody that I hired that I thought was the right person, mm -hmm. but that was hurting our business. Mm -hmm. And no, that's was, real. You know, it, it propelled us forward, but it's still as hard of a day as you're gonna have as an entrepreneur. Again, in any business, in any, Walk of life. I know that makes sense. I mean, Sonny, what Kroger is doing right now, mm. the intentional work revolved around supporting black and brown people. You, you have to be on the scout for the best of the best, right? I, I, met, I met the women from Black Girl Ventures, mm. and they are absolutely incredible. Mm. How, does that, how does that process <laughs> work in your mind as you guys are scouting out opportunities to support within a community, but make sure that the resources are provided to those who can make things happen. Yeah, so if you think about your brand, a personal brand, whether, you, whether it's a brand that you stand for in the city, the organization, et cetera, you always, you always have to think about protecting. Mm. You're either protecting the brand or you're promoting the brand, mm. right? And for me, it's, it's like, if we're gonna get after um, let's, let's talk about the Racial Equity Fund, right? That's kind of been sure. the relationship that we've been building, Rico. And in the summer of 2020, our leadership called and said, hey, we want to put capital behind this. Hey, we want to put it in the foundation. We want to do this work. And I, my immediate reaction was like, uh, no, because <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Like, we actually, if, if we look back at, you know, kind of like yesterday, we suck at this work. Mm. But if we're willing to take those hard steps and those hard conversations, God, the work can be so fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we went and I, and I said, listen, we're gonna go ask the nation, we're gonna go ask the Kroger family of companies, coast to coast, who are you partnering with? And why, uh, in, in, in the spirit of supporting black and brown uh, communities, who are you partnering with and why? And you know, kind of the resounding answer was like, well, we, we, um, we give flowers to the whatever annual gala. And I was like, what? <laughs> and like, or we give cookies to the kids at whatever, you know, and I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about, sure. right? So when you peel that back and you start to go, all right, we're actually starting with a whiteboard, which can be terrifying, but also like, again, yeah. incredibly fulfilling, let's get after this. And so I literally said, 
anyone who would listen to me across, you know, kind of our stakeholdership. If you have someone we should be putting on the list, I will call them. And we had conversations to invite the best of the best. Yeah. And people who are doing different things. And people who could align to what Kroger was trying to stand for in a way that like brought all of our why together. And um, it's been a really interesting journey. It is like, not, I don't even want to call it the start. I don't even want to call it a scratch. I don't want to call <laughs> like, we're just like exploring. Yeah. But um, I am always interested in, in maybe the, like, um, the one who's going to get it done, the one who fills a specific gap that, that we as Kroger in our brand can help with, right? Like everybody can do hunger. Everybody can do um, supporting black and brown communities. Well, what makes us different? And what are we going to try to do different? As you were talking, there was one there was something going through my mind. It's one word that kept popping up, and it was opportunity. And, and I've gotten to know you personally, and, and I want you to speak on this as well, because uh, you know, Tommy and I met at the University of Cincinnati, and um, a good friend of mine was playing basketball at the time, and Tommy did a lot of the coverage. And that's how we kind of brewed up. And, and then he started Four Floor Creative. And, but I also know, I don't know if you knew of I knew this, but I also know that you were a front runner for the Cleveland Browns job for a while, hmm. right? Yeah. And, and that opportunity, that door closed and then a, a window opened up with FC Cincinnati and Major League Soccer. Talk about that as it pertains to the word opportunity. I mean, life's all about opportunity, right? Like it's, it's just how these things work, right? So let's, let's go back even further Wow. to where I'm like 12 years old and I'm a terrible athlete, <laughs> like I'm terrible. Like I, I'm, I, my, my dreams of being like any. <laughs> his right? sons are all-stars. Like yeah. You said his son was an all-star. Thanks to his mother. Thanks to his mom. My boy's got mom's ability. He's got a little bit of my speed. <laughs> Other than that, he's all right. But I'm like 12, 13 years old, and I'm like, I'm not going to play in the NFL or play in the NBA or Major League Baseball. Like, what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, I'm watching NBA Inside Stuff with Amad Rashad. Oh, yeah, that was a great, and great show. They're like, when we come back, we're going to go to Long Beach, California to a camp for broadcasters. And I'm like, yeah. hold on. So I lean in and they show this sportscasters camp of America in Long Beach, California. Mom, right? get in here. I know where I'm going this summer. Long Beach, it's only like $1,000. Let's go. And it's 3,000 miles away. But we'll get there. And to her credit, I was like, you cancel every other camp you had me signed up for. I need to go to sportscasters camp because I won't stop talking. Yeah. And that's where I'm going to go. Mm. And I went and it was unbelievable. Like wow. that, that's At when you're, 12? yeah, that's, wow. that's when you're like, this is my spot. Yeah. And Randy Polakar, a kid from Issaquah, Washington is my roommate, mm. same 12 year old, no athletic ability in the broadcasting. We became buddies, go to camp a few times, work camp a few times. And then after I graduated from Syracuse, I didn't go to work at camp. He did. He is talking to this guy from the university of Akron guy from the University of Akron is like, I need someone to do women's basketball for mm -hmm. me this year. He's like, well, my buddy just graduated from Syracuse and lives 45 minutes away from you. Wow. He called me, go, I just got you a job. He didn't tell me he was only going to pay $35. <laughs> and I was be driving from my mom's house where I was living back and forth with all my gas money. But, but he had a job for you. But though. he had a job for yeah. me. And I went down there and met with the guy, right? So for four years, I did that. I got other responsibility. My role grew because I worked my tail off. I had four jobs because I was being paid again, $35 a game to do 
the worst women's basketball you've ever seen. We won 17 games in four years. Not in one year, in four years. You can do the math. That's not very many. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, those experiences were unbelievable, right? Yeah. And then my boss calls me in his office one day. He goes, hey, guess what? I'm going to University of Cincinnati. Pow. You want to go? And you don't have to work at four jobs anymore. I got mm. a full-time job for you at the University of Cincinnati. Also was at the University of Akron. Went out for drinks with one of the basketball coaches because when you only win 17 games, you got to go for drinks quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, hey, I want you to meet my sister. His sister's my wife. Oh, wow. And then my boss brings me down here. And so on and so forth. All these things. And then my boss brings me down here. He's like, I, we, we have this really good soccer player, and we need someone to do soccer this year. And I'd done soccer at Akron. Sure, I'll do soccer. We had a guy who was drafted MLS, played 10 years. Now he works for us in Cincinnati. Mm. All these things, right? And then I do nine years at the University of Cincinnati, and I need a new challenge. And so I leave right after I didn't get that Browns job, yep. right? Cleveland Browns, my dream team. Like, that's what I grew up. Like, they're my number one favorite team. Yep. And it's been a terrible 30 I, years. I, I called out all the guns. <laughs> Everybody called. Brian Kelly called to get me the job. The head coach of Notre wow. Dame called the guy, and I didn't get the job. Wow. You know, understandably a little upset about that. But I don't want that job now. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the voice of a major league soccer team. Yeah. That's There's incredible. There's 20 some of them in the, in, yeah. in, in the country. That's crazy. And that's it. And I got one of them. Like, that's pretty cool. But who would have known when I didn't get that, yeah. that another opportunity was right around the corner? And those okay. defeats are so hard. Like, yeah. You lose that on a, I'm, when I came here to Cincinnati, I didn't want to come here. Mm. I wanted to go to Nashville. I had applied mm. for a job, had an interview, was a right. finalist, and I didn't get it. Because you're from Columbus, Indiana. Indiana the right. Columbus, the Columbus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I was telling someone to, the other day about how when I, they called and said I didn't get the job, that I was boohooing and crying, which isn't a surprise to anybody because I cried <laughs> about that. But like, I was just like, I want to be in Nashville. This was a job for me. And... I was crushed. I got out sick from work for like two days because I was like, I can't do this. And then uh, my mom was like, well, what's for you won't miss you? And I was like, oh, no, this was for me. And then I, I got in the application process for this job and this was a way better situation, mm. but I couldn't see it, right? Like mm-hmm. I was going to be working weekends in Nashville. And when I came here, it was Monday through Friday. Um, and then when I got this job, a year later, I got promoted. I would have I would still been in Nashville at the time yeah. and I would have mm-hmm. not been eligible I wouldn't have been eligible yeah, for this opportunity. So, I but, wonder if the Nashville folks know about the Emmy nomination. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send them a screen cap. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, you didn't see what Look you, what you missed out yeah. on. Uh-huh. Last year, they DM'd me, asked me if I wanted to come back. To oh, the come on, and it was just like, man. didn't want me. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not bitter. But at the time, it's just hard to swallow yeah. those, yeah. those losses. But you learn more from failure, if that's what you want to call it, yeah. than you yeah. ever do from success, I believe. A million percent. Um, and it no, builds character. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I mean, look, you, you, you're working with uh, our potential next mayor candidate, right? Or next mayor. He is the candidate now. And, you know, his last election didn't go the way he wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are your thoughts about some of those kind of misses and, and picking yourself back up to do something fantastic again and as that relates to you guys' campaign? Um, I mean, that's life. Like you said, it is, and this is something that I said to him is that it's your strength isn't getting back up. You can stay down, you can stay defeated and you cannot do the things that you're going to do, but just imagine how many people's freedom is attached to you. So if you stay down, you keep so many more people in bondage. That's a word. So I said, (laughs) so through just getting up, 
right? Because one, I don't like to lose at anything that I do, but I've also experienced losses, whether it was loss of positions or it was loss of campaigns or loss of people. If I stayed where I was in those losses, everything that's attached to me and people who are attached to me to be free is attached to my liberation. So if I don't keep pushing forward, if we don't keep pushing forward, our city doesn't move. And right now we need our city to move forward because we have a ton of people who are screaming and crying out because they have been left behind. Mm. So I think his race, um, that congressional race was a, a learning experience. It taught him a lot about what it meant to lose, but also what it means to get back up and keep pushing and keep going. Cause you have to lead the city. I'm on your team, so now we gotta win. So <laughs> we gotta get to it. You told me that the first time we sat down. We sat down for a glass of wine. She was like, look, we gotta win. I'm not taking no L's, yeah, right? We have That's to a fact. win. You know, when we you Tommy, you you threw a curveball at me because you talked about sort of you vis- you seeing something on television at, and and at a young age, it providing you a window of opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, we'll get lighter later, but we've got to talk about this because it's happened in real time in our city. We it's a lot of young gun violence going mm-hmm. on, right? And it's not a coincidence it's happened during the warmest parts of the year, right? Where kids are not in school, and specifically after a year of being virtual and bottled up in that way. Um, I mean, how important is that? Anybody can talk about this. I know, I know several of you, of you have children about the windows of opportunity and expanding on current talents that this youth, that the young has and finding ways to, you know, programs is such a word that's overused, but in a way, program it to the point where we can get them into some other things. How, how, I mean, that, we know how significant it is, but what are your thoughts on that? No, it's massive, right? Like, yeah, there have to be opportunities and uh, things for them to do, for yeah. lack of any other way to put it. Look, one of them happened right out here. Right. You know what I mean? On Father's Day, at 5.30, a 15-year-old gets shot in the leg. Yeah. I happened mean, the other day, 16-year-old yeah. on Walnut. Yeah, it steps away. I mean, two of them steps away from my front door, your front door. Yep. You know what I mean? We moved in here at the same time. We did. So, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate reality. Like you said, you've been bottled up at home. We've all been bottled up at home. So everybody's getting out and they're doing stuff. And now, like, but at the same time, not a lot of programs have come back online. You know, like a lot of places where they would have activities or teams, sports, yep. all these things that a lot of us probably took for granted of all types of different backgrounds. Big time. And everything prior to March of 2020, that this was just available, right? Yeah. You could go to this place and play basketball. Mm-hmm. And the biggest fight was whether or not you got fouled not whatever they're shooting each other on, shooting. you know, four in the street, right? But some of that stuff just hasn't come back. And what, for whatever reason, funding, COVID, because the people who sponsor it or, uh, you know, cohabit it, it haven't, you know, that's not their protocols, right? They're not doing it. They're not doing indoor stuff. We don't have kids do indoor stuff. You know what I mean? Like people just haven't done that yet. And I think that that lack of opportunity in many ways for those activities is definitely escalating what we're seeing on the streets. Yeah. I think this- Any thoughts? Yeah. I think for me, I go back to my professional world and I feel like we're so desensitized to gun violence. You almost have to be though. Yeah, but it's sad, right? It is sad. sad. Like when we talk about the shooting at King Super Mm -hmm. in the, uh, was it spring? Like it wasn't even 
when they released the number, you were just like, oh, 10 or 11. Like, you know, like, and that's sad because we've seen 20s and 30s and 40s. Like, I remember I was working the day um, that there was the shooting in Las Vegas at the country music concert. Mm -hmm. And I gasped the first time that they released the number. And I remember thinking, like, this is not normal. But then here over Fourth of July when we had the shooting, you know, when we're having discussions, it was like, well, it was just two kids shot. And it's like, but two kids is too many, right? Yeah, One is too kid. many. Yeah. Um, and it's just crazy how desensitized we all are as a culture right now to gun violence. And it's sad. It is sad. I, I'm sure this hits your office like crazy. Crazy. Um, I think uh, gun violence, like when we're looking at gun violence, I think so many people take that and then they want to add more police, right? Mm. They want to add more cops to the street and all of that. But we have to realize that over-policing does not stop violence. It doesn't. Opportunity, um, creation of programs, creation of different spaces for people to come and heal. A lot of it is unpacked trauma. Mm-hmm. It's unlearned trauma, it's generational trauma that people don't know how to, in a sense, let it go or release. And that takes time, right? It does. Yeah. It takes time and it also takes uh, this like destigmatizing of therapy, right? And mental health and getting everything together, like in your body and in who you are. But I think when it comes to a city, allocating funding and resources towards communities is what we need to start doing. It's not always about defunding the police or defunding social services, or I'm sorry, um, public services, but it's about putting more investment in social services Mm. so that people have opportunities, so children can see other avenues other than basketball and sports and all of those things, and then mentorship too. We have to give back to our community. So I think that gun violence is something that's always going to be rampant in our city unless we start investing in neighborhoods and investing in communities. Mm -hmm. What I'm really proud of, to piggyback off of what you were saying, is uh, some of the idols, in a way, stepping up, right? Last Mm -hmm. night we had a big one. Simone Biles said, you know what? Mm -hmm. I'm going to take care of my mind first, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to worry about everything else later, right? Gold medals are not that significant to my world to the point where I'm gonna be destructive to myself. What, what, what were your thoughts on that when you saw that news? Oh my gosh. I respect her so much. It, just like, it, it was like a split second. And she just stood with her team and she was like, you know what? I've seen you do better than me. Mm-hmm. I've seen you do better than me. And what I just did, I don't know who that was, mm. right? And I just thought it was a moment of either, um, I think a lot of people can kind of be like, strap on and get it done, right? Like, you made the team, get it done, and you're Simone Biles, you're the GOAT. Look, great, like, that's something that's like, when she says, like, the weight of the world is on my shoulders, I, I think people are like, yeah, 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 okay, again, strap up and get it done, because that's what you and are. It has it's been like, for like nine but you years. named her the GOAT, like, right. like, like, that's incredible pressure. Of course, being an Olympian is incredible pressure. I don't give mm-hmm. a sh- I don't care what you do, right? I think you right? curse on this. Can you curse on this? <laughs> <laughs> Sonny says the Kroger is a major sponsor, so Sonny does it out there. <laughs> but I mean, I like, it. it doesn't matter if you're on the, like, swimming and gymnastics. Those are the, and then track and field, right? Yeah. Those are the ones yeah. that everybody watches because they're, they're the ones highlighting primetime. Sure. It's kind of like, because Michael Phelps was even talking last night. Right. Like, when he was the face of the Summer Olympics, he was like, spot. that's just the ho- most horrible thing you can do to an athlete. Um, sorry, I loved, I, I respected her. I think in that split moment, she said, I'm either going to be the Simone Biles that I wish I was, like, that I want to be, right. or I'm going to let my team 
go kick ass. Yeah. And and I'm gonna stand with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I I don't have to be the spotlight. Yeah. I don't have to be the Simone Biles that everybody else yeah. has called me. I just mm-hmm. get to be me. And again, that's a human. Yeah. We all just need to be us. That's a part of the problem. You know, we treat mm-hmm. athletes like robots, mm-hmm. right? We treat celebrities like robots, like they can't, mm-hmm. like they're programmed in a way that's so different from the rest of humanity that they don't mm-hmm. deal with things, right? Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure how much of this has come up in MLS, but I know that you've seen it in that world. Whether it's LeBron or Michael Phelps or Simone Biles or a major league soccer player or somebody who's on the news right. or somebody who's calling a soccer match that, you know, varying levels of popularity mm-hmm. that somebody's coming at you and being critical. And you yeah. have to like that part, you have to turn off like you can't you can't let it affect the way you're going to do the news tonight, because if you do, if you look at it after you one newscast oh, yeah. and someone's like, damn, you yeah. then you're all going to suck head. tonight at 11 because it's going to be <laughs> all in your head. And I've done that at times myself where I've looked at stuff and then the next game, I'm a mess because I'm all thinking about, oh, I can't make that mistake again. You know, I said the wrong stat or I said the wrong name or, I mean, I, I infamously, uh, we did an Open Cup game and when we were in the USL, we weren't in Major League Soccer yet, but we had gotten the bid, so we knew we were going to Major League Soccer and we played Minnesota United and it was in our place, so I did the broadcast. And of course, all Minnesota United fans were watching, right? And they had a player, Christian Ramirez, and very good, prominent player. We had just had a guy on our team, Christian Martinez. Mm. And for whatever reason, I called Christian Ramirez, Christian Martinez, like 12 times. 12? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty embarrassing. One or two, right? okay. 12 times. Yeah. I, I don't know what it was. It was in, it was in your mold. It was one of those things that you just could not, I shake. couldn't break it. Yeah. I couldn't shake yeah. it. Yeah. And man, Twitter was bad after that game. Mm. What, you know what I mean? Because every Minnesota United fan wanted to let me know that it was Christian Ramirez and not Christian Martinez. And I knew that. But for whatever reason, I couldn't say the guy's damn name. Yeah. You know, and, but my, my point is that like everybody goes through mental stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody goes through crap days. I mean, you were talking mm-hmm. about like having bad days, right? Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I'll say like one of my worst days as entrepreneur early on was when I thought I had a a friend who was going to do business with us so we could get rolling. Mm-hmm. You told me this story. Yeah, and I seen on Twitter he's doing business with another company. I mean, I was like shaking. Like, my coworker was like, yo, you seen Twitter? They're, they're not working with us. They got somebody else on campus right now. Mm. I, was, I remember like shaking, sitting there. We had a little tiny, like 200 square foot office. I'm like, I got to go home. I'll be back. Yeah. And I went home and just cried and cried and cried for like half an hour. But you know what I did? I bent over, I got my teeth, I jammed them back up into my gums, yeah. took a shower, and I went back to work. I said, screw that. Yeah. Let's move on, right? Let's find the next one. But, you know, when you talk about Simone Biles and, like, what, what she has gone through and all that pressure of the world on her. A microscope. Yeah. Right. Like, right. For almost a decade. You, you can't understand that. And for her to be able to step back and admit, like you said, that I'm not in the right place. Because we've all been there where we're not in the right place, right? Mm-hmm. And you all got to have somebody to talk to, whether it's your therapist, your mom, your spouse, your, your whoever, your aunt, whoever it might be. Everybody's got somebody to talk to, I hope. Two years ago, I was gone from work for about a month, and I was in a really dark place. Um, and my employer was understanding, and they allowed me to take the time that I needed to mm-hmm. heal. Um, and a lot of it had to do with me not being completely open about being a gay man with my family. Like I was out to my friends, but I wasn't out 
um, to all of my family members. And it just got to a point where I couldn't separate the two anymore, you know? And unfortunately, a lot of people deal with that. And it freed me so much to come out to my family. Um, and they were so embracing and so welcoming and so loving. And I don't know why it took me so long, but that buildup, when it finally got to me, it led me to all of these different headspaces. Um, and I was just in a really bad position. And I was gone for, I think a month, maybe five or six weeks actually, but every day I would get the most encouraging emails from viewers and people just letting me know that they were rooting for me and they didn't know what I was going through. Um, but it, it inspired me to continue to go to therapy. It inspired me to work on myself and to continue healing. And it was probably, it was the most difficult, I think five, six weeks of my life, but I learned so much about myself, about my friends and about my family. Um, and if I would not have taken that time to myself, I don't know where I would be today. Mm. I know I wouldn't be here. Mm. Like I was just not on this path. And I hit it so well because I'm sure most people have no clue. They had no clue that I was going through anything because I would go to work and I would smile. Um, my boyfriend didn't even really know. Wow. You know, to the extent of how bad it really was. Um, but it was... I feel like there's my life before that event and there's my life after that event. Mm -hmm. And it's so wow. much better on the other side. Um, and so when I saw Simone go through that, I was inspired by her because she did it publicly. I wasn't ready to talk about it publicly sure. when I came back. Um, and I just thanked people for giving me the space and the grace, but we didn't really address it. Um, and to this day, people will come up to me and say things like, we missed you when you were gone, was everything okay? And, but they won't pry. Mm -hmm. um, and I appreciated that because sometimes you just need that space to be alone with your thoughts and to speak with a therapist. Like, your pastor or your spiritual leader is great, but you need a trained professional right. to walk you through what Facts. your brain is going through. Um, and we don't talk about mental health enough. And I you know, didn't want to talk about it because there was a stigma. Um, right. But I think we're moving past that. Yeah. Your wife is in healthcare yeah. field. How was that year being supportive of, I mean, you know what I mean? We, 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 we hyper-focus on healthcare professionals and then your husband is he's an educator. He is an directly. educator. So I got a good memory. So yeah, how, was, how was that being on the support side of the past 19 months? No, I mean, months? it's insanely important, right? Like, you talk about mental health. I'm sure on the educator side, it's the same thing. But like, for healthcare professionals, and my dad retired in the tail end. He was a doctor. So he retired in January. So he kind of got through it. And because he's in his 70s, they. <laughs> told him like he didn't get close to anybody right you know because he was high risk yeah. so he's like if this person's suspected covid yeah you will get somebody younger to take care of him. so he kind of got lucky uh on the way out but like my wife she's in the nursing home so like mm -hmm. she's only dealing with high risk elderly patients Ooh. so i mean it's super yeah exactly super stressful no work from home that's impossible mm -hmm. right. right right so i had to shift mm -hmm. and be at home with the boys and like, being a teacher was the worst professional experience in my life. Like, I got I got pictures of my I mean, phone. You got this. You got that gray goose cup. Yeah, I've been like, drinking at like eleven thirty in the morning. It was like one of those, it was like somebody sent me that meme. It was like my kid's teacher got, got fired for drinking out a job, and I'm like, yeah, that was me. Like, um, I'm like, it, it it was terrible. Yeah. Like, because I'm trying to run a business, I'm trying to do this, that, and other thing. I'm trying to survive mentally, and I got two kids who are trying to survive online school. Yeah at home and my wife is at work where it's insanely stressful so I'm trying to have dinner ready and the house clean so she feels better when she gets home like the toll that has been taken by 
by like medical professionals, and I'm sure for others too, and into education. Like we won't know for a while the toll what that, are, that, yeah. what that, that, yeah. that 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 is taking on people like patients. And like she's like two people died today. Yeah. Like, like, and this was, I mean, this is sad. This is like after vaccination started, but a nurse didn't get vaccinated mm. and caught COVID and came to work and gave it to two, you know, 80 or 90 year old guys and, and, and they died Wow. Like because they're 90 years old and got COVID. Like who's signing up to become educators mm-hmm. in this, right? And if you think about, mm-hmm. so um, he's a special education lead too. So he's right. looking at the 100, and, uh, 100 plus special education population in his school. Who have to who be face have, to face. Exactly. Who have, you know, kind of um, access points that they need. They're not getting service. What does virtual mean to them? I mean, it was incredibly, I think there were moments of his days that he was like, what the hell am I doing? Mm. Oh, what? 100%. Like, I can't reach a child. I can barely reach him when we're together. Right. And trying to inspire the fact that, like, you can be, you don't have to be college bound, but you, what do you want to be? What interests you? Mm-hmm. How do I provide, you know, kind of professional pathways for you? It's like, Kyle didn't show up to the Zoom call. Yeah. I'm here, yeah. right? Kyle is at home, so he's also doing high school kids. Oh my gosh, so many stories of high school kids who were watching their siblings. Yeah. King their siblings, 100%. because no one is at home because they're at work yeah. making the living, right? right. So and they're like, I became a, I became a pseudo mom, dad, and yep. it was a brother, but now I'm feeding them lunch and I have to get them on their Zoom call at one o'clock or whatever, their check-in is. And it's kind of like, that's why they, like that duality of understanding um, the high school kids' roles um, through that lens was just uh, like, I, I, every day I'm like, um, the work you do Nate, my husband's name, is so much more important. One child yeah. at a time, like, I can't even tell you how much more impactful what you do every That's day. It's real. And just, like, I don't, give a, I don't give a crap if Rico didn't show up, but you did for him, mm. right? And like, just that, that constant, yeah. it's just something that I, I just admire so much. That's mm. real. We're in July right now, and um, we got the back half of the year to look forward to. And it's pro- it probably looks much different than we anticipated, mm-hmm. however we anticipated. What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to first and foremost, vacation. Yeah. It's time to get away for a few days because that hasn't been an opportunity. And then number two, uh, growth. You gotta keep growing. You gotta grow yourself. You gotta grow your business. You gotta grow as a broadcaster. You gotta grow as a husband or a spouse or a partner yep. or you know, a father, whatever it is. You gotta remember your personal growth. So yeah. I look forward to that. How about you? Winning the selection. There you um, go. And I would also say just resting <laughs> and refilling myself after this year and then after 2020 because I've worked the entire 2020 into 2021. So yeah. just winning the selection for people. Um, I think this year for me, the word was freedom. So that's freeing my people mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, so this election will represent that. That's what's up. That's what's up. Kyle? I am running the Flying Pig Half Marathon. Whoa. So I'm excited. This will be my fifth half. I've done one full. I'll never do it. This makes sense because <laughs> Kyle cycles in front of me. Right? And it's, <laughs> we, it's like, what, what, was what, what, what is he doing exactly? But anyway, go ahead. So I'm looking forward to that because it's always a challenge to push yourself for yeah. 13 miles. Um, but then weddings. Like I had a bunch canceled in 2020 that are coming back this fall. So yeah. Oh, yeah, to be sense. reunited with friends and family in a wedding setting will be yeah. fun. That'd be good. 
Um, Sunny? Mine is not about me. Mine is, my husband is finishing up his second master's awesome. in school administration. And um, if y'all know or have had a spouse or a family member go through education while you're all both trying to work full time, mm -hmm. like it's a, With children. It's a journey together, right? Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm getting a master's too. <laughs> but it's, it's like, you know, you got to go through it together. And I'm just really excited for yeah. what's to come for him. Yeah. It's such important conversations. We, we don't always talk about the most serious of things. We have fun with it. But I think that's the balance of what we're, we've been able to create here and what we'll continuously create. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm looking forward to sharing that with everybody and not just the 10 folks in this room. So it's going to be really exciting. Thanks for joining us. This has been really, I look really at awesome. All the time. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those guys.